Zhang Huang, Independent Legal Research with LawQuant LLC, now offers us uh, an alternative perspective on what's happening in North Korea, or at least your own perspective. Good morning to you. Good morning, Alex. Um, just to recap, North Korea cancelled high-level talks with South Korea that were planned for yesterday. They'd only been planned for a few hours before they were cancelled. Uh, the uh, reason for cancelling apparently was the uh, military exercises, Max Thunder, which started last Friday. So, I mean, that in itself uh, is a bit strange, isn't it? You, you, oh, you, yeah. know, you know a drill's going on. That's right. You arrange talks, almost as if just to make the point to cancel them. That's right. I mean, one thing that we do know that is that drill probably was not the main reason. I mean, the, the actual the full name of the exercise is Max Thunder 18. The reason that there's 18th talk to it is because it's the 18th year that that drill has been taking place. So it's not something that was, you know, unexpected. It's annual exercise been going on every year for past 18 years. It's not like North Korea didn't know about it and couldn't raise objections earlier. So Whatever the reason is, and then, then you know, we we could really talk about a number of hypotheses about you know why they're doing this. They might be just showing off their hardline way to South Korea, to America, or they might be appeasing their own hardline factions within North Korea. I mean, the problem is that we have very little information in the sort of inner workings of decision-making processes in North Korea. So we don't really know the true motive behind this sudden decision, which is sort of put a little bit of a monkey wrenches the whole process, I mean, which has been going on, you know, as you you can exp- you can see, but fairly smoothly until this unexpected announcement yesterday. Yeah, well, because there was that moment, uh, which I keep coming back to in my mind, the handshake at the border, the, That's the, right. mm-hmm. the, the seeming breakthrough, at least in the relationship between Kim Jong-un and Moon Jae-in. And then, well, this, it, 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 wonder, it makes us wonder what we're left with, what next. I mean, do, do you actually think this summit between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un is even going to happen? Well, that's too, too much is at, at the stake for North Korea and Amer- America to actually give give up the summit, I, I think. I mean, from United States' point of view, uh, you know, President Trump has put a great deal of emphasis on the summit, so he probably wants to go through with it personally. So no, nothing that his advisors can tell him can probably persuade him not to go. From North Korea' point of view, I mean, it's a pretty big propaganda event for them. So to have come this far and then to suddenly cancel it for some pretext, I think is highly unlikely. I mean, I think they are trying to send some kind of message. For example, yesterday they came up, came up with a little bit more hint. You know, their high-ranking foreign ministry official Kim Gekwon talked about how he was unhappy with the United States. I guess he basically singled out John Bolton, the national security advisor, to uh, the President Trump, talking about sort of Libyan-style denuclearization. Mm, mm. And and you know, anybody who has sort of has you know, known about the history of Libya knows that Libya is a big no-no world as far as you know concerns North Korea because it combines denuclearization plus regime change. And, you know, I mean, North Korea wants nothing to do with anything like Libya. And probably that that was a big, big word that, you know, that that didn't make North Korea very happy. But the part of Libya that the U.S. is absolutely sticking rigidly to, and uh, we heard Bruce Klingner, our expert earlier in the show, say this is more of an international standard than anything else, is, is the complete verifiable and uh, irreversible even denuclearization. The idea that you get out all the weapons before you start offering any carrot. 
And that's probably not going to happen. I mean, that I, I can understand where the United States is coming from. That's sort of like a starting position. But if their starting negotiation position doesn't really convince North Korea, or, or they just is President Trump just going to walk out? I think there are probably some intermediate steps that North Korea can live with, that, that the United States can live with. Hopefully that they can come to some kind of negotiation. But, you know, if the hardliners on both North Korea and United States prevail, I suppose, you know, the, any potential deal could fall apart. We shouldn't be too surprised, though, should we, by North Korea's behavior here? It was rather intoxicating, all the all the inter-Korean mood. But by the same token, this is the same leader, Kim Jong-un, who's been in charge since 2011 and, and everything that's happened since then. Exactly. If you look at it in the bigger picture, this is very much fitting with that. Yeah, I mean, there's sort of, you know, kind of a rose-tinted outlook in Korean media about North-South relationship, you know, people talking about, you know, the possible railroads being connected between North and South, and, you know, there are talks about land prices rising up near DMZ because people sort of feel like there will be additional, you know, uh, commerce will take place between North and South. I think it was all very premature in the sense that, you know, past 60 years of relationship with North Korea has been always fraught with some hope and then some you know, retreat and some unexpected turns. So why should this be any different? You know, I mean, even during the 10 years of sunshine policy, that was during the very time that the North Korea secretly developed a nuclear program. So, you know, we expect North Korea to have some, you know, hidden surprises for us. And if South Korean government isn't really prepared for unexpected surprises, I'm, I'll be very, very disappointed. How significant is it, though, that the U.S. is caught up on a number of foreign policy fronts right now while this is going on? I think that's a really big deal. I mean, now, after the surprise uh, opening of the U.S. embassy in Jerusalem, the Israel-Palestine conflict is looking like it might flare up. You know, already over 50 people, 50 Palestinians died in a massive protest in Gaza. Uh, Iran is Israel, or the basically a whole Iran situation can flare out with the, the you know with the U.S. withdrawing from the nuclear deal with Iran, and you know with China. I mean, there's a whiplash going on. I mean, at one moment the Trump administration wanted to have a trade war with China, and then now the President Trump wants to sort of give uh, give favors to ZTE, very famous for uh, you know uh, flaunting various sanctions the U.S. has imposed around the world. So, and given all this in you know, a foreign policy. Uh, portfolio that Trump has and a lot of things going on because he has really veered sharply away from sort of traditional international order, I think it's really going to weigh heavily on, you know, how to deal with North Korea in unexpected ways, unfortunately. Briefly, for us here in South Korea, is there anything we can do? Are we stuck in the middle, bouncing between these two sides? I mean, very unfortunate thing is that we have very little control over North Korea or United States. And North Korea has always been erratic. But now in, with the United States, we also have a very erratic president in President Trump. I mean, how much control that South Korea can have? Really none. Very little, in fact. I mean, and I think what we can really help for is uh, just, you know, avoid an absolute worst possible scenario, which will be the you know, full-scale war on the Korean Peninsula. I think we can all agree that that will be the absolute worst scenario. If, As long as we can stay away from that, hopefully, you know, the South Korean government can, you know, talk with North Korea, talk with U.S., and sort of, you know, manage the process the best we can. I think that's the best that we can hope for, basically. Yeah. Well, well, I've said, and I've heard others say that this whole scenario 
if it was to end badly, really takes us worse than square one. And, and I said that without believing we'd actually get there. And now, well, we're reminded that uh, the situation can turn serious quite quickly. It's not there yet, but thank you for helping us get up close. Zhang Huang. Thank you very much.